Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We'll get things back rolling on the quarterback discussion. Uh, It was all spearheaded by an article by our man Eric Edholm at NFL.com. He listed six potential trade fits for three-time Pro Bowler Derek Carr. He had the Washington Commanders listed as a potential fit. And it got me thinking... What should the commander's plan be at the quarterback position? What should they be trying to do? What makes the most sense for this football team when it comes to quarterback? And for me, I think it's very simple. This team has failed since Ron Rivera's gotten here and even in years prior to draft and develop a starting quarterback. For whatever reason, They've constantly chosen the route of a veteran quarterback. And for whatever reason, whether it's injuries, poor relationships, or bad scouting, the veteran quarterback route here in D.C. just has not worked. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt 16 snaps into last year. Back with Mike Shanahan, Donovan McNabb clearly was a shell of himself. We saw how the Carson Wentz trade worked this summer. Alex Smith, when they acquired him from the Kansas City Chiefs, he tragically Shatters his leg into pieces. So for whatever reason, the Washington Commanders, when it comes to the veteran quarterback route, have just not been able to figure it out. I I personally just, I can't handle seeing them going after another vet unless that vet is a low-end starter and acts as cheap insurance, so to speak, in case Sam Howell doesn't work next year. Because make no mistake about it, what you saw from Sam Howell in week 18 against the Dallas Cowboys, it's enough for me to go into next year as Sam Howell as one of my options to be QB1. This is the first time in the Ron Rivera era, three years on the job, that they have drafted a young quarterback. You know what's the next part of that beautiful saying? It's draft and develop. This is the time for development. You gave him one start at the season's end against Dallas. For 18 weeks, he was in your program, in your building, learning, growing, and developing. So now let him see that through. It wouldn't be fair to Sam Howell if you went out and acquired a veteran like Derek Carr, who by all intents and purposes should be ahead of Sam Howell right now. But for me, I'm playing the long game when it comes to quarterback here with the Washington Commanders. Sam Howell based off of what you saw from him in Week 18, and based off of all the reports that we heard during the year, Sam Howell in a bad option at the quarterback position for the Washington Commanders. Here's Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk Podcast talking about what the Commanders' plan at quarterback should be this offseason. They got to figure out is just, yeah, what do they want to do? Where are they out of the current status of their team? There's a part of me that looks at Washington and just goes, wait, rookie quarterback? I don't know about that, right? I mean, to me, they're, they're ready kind of right now. 
You know, man, you got Terry McLaurin in his prime, Curtis Samuel, you know, Jahan Dotson ready. I mean, they, the, the, you know, the defense, we know, yeah, a few guys in the secondary and woo, watch out. I mean, there's not, there's, you know, there's not a lot of issues or at least big issues I look at with Washington. I think the O-line's probably the biggest thing I look at, you know, another guy or two in the secondary and you go, wait, okay, I, I feel pretty good about what they got. You know, the quarterback's a big thing. Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I mean, damn, the way New England's talking. Is Mac Jones going to be available? What about Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee? What's going to happen there? Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways this offseason could could shake out, and there could be some real viable options for this football team. I'm kind of excited to see what they do because I, I do think if they make the right move here, they're a team that you know could jump jump out at us next year with some of the talent they have in certain positions and, and be a major player. It's Chris Sims of the Pro Football Talk podcast. Mike Florio talking about potential options at the quarterback position for the Washington Commanders. I want to hone in on something specific uh, that Chris said during that piece of audio. There is a consensus around the National Football League that Washington, with the right quarterback situation, could end up being a major player, not just within the NFC East, but within the entire conference. When you look at what they were able to accomplish this year on defense, this was a top five group by every metric, by every standard. Washington defensively was one of the best defenses in all of the sport. This football team, this football team right now is closer to being a championship contender than they've been in years, it feels like. But the one thing that's holding them back and the one thing that has been to the detriment of this group is their inability to solve the game's most important position. Until Washington figures it out at quarterback, nothing else matters, which is why to me, their plan at quarterback this offseason is more important than any plan they've had in prior off-seasons. You can't go into this season trading for a guy like a Carson Wentz. You shouldn't be able to go into a season with a roster like this thinking Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the answer for you. That is organizational malpractice. And they're lucky as hell they were able to survive those piss-poor decisions. So for me, man, the plan at quarterback is very simple. D-N-D, draft and develop. Draft and develop. Look at how the other successful franchises across the National Football League does it. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Philly, Miami, Baltimore. This is how the good teams do it. You draft and develop with the hopes of finding your guy for the next eight to 10 years. Ron Rivera is going into year four, year four with this football team. And year three last year was their first attempt at trying to draft and develop a guy. Know what I call that? Organizational malpractice. Want to hit the phones on this. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Put on your GM caps, Commanders fans. From your vantage point, what should the Washington Commanders plan be at the quarterback position? For me, 
Sam Howe, and a low-end veteran. And then, and then maybe you even go out and draft a guy again this year in the sixth or seventh round. Somebody with developmental qualities that you can watch grow and mature over the next few years. Todd's in Houston. What's going on, Todd? Youngest in charge movement. My man. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Good, buddy. How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate uh, you calling. First of all, yo, how great is Doc Walker, man? Yeah, I know. What a legend. What a damn legend. I mean, you, I'm glad you, I got you to put the cigar yourself. down. Look. I, well, it sounded like he, he might not have put it down for a part of that. <laughs> but you did good, man. Hey, uh, I got a quick little uh, little thought on the uh, the QB thing, and then mm-hmm. I have a quick little question for you. Um, I'm 100% with you on the QB thing. Um, Derek Carr, that's a lot of capital to give up. Money, draft capital um, that should be used to retool the O-line, help with the tight ends, help with the linebackers, cornerbacks, whatever. That's a lot to give in. And the retread thing has just not worked here. You are so spot on with the draft and develop thing that we have never done here. And we got a guy that people talked about being in the first round. I know he didn't go there. I know he had some knocks. But he's got the talent there. And I agree. I think we we roll with him and we get a a low-end kind of backup where people aren't clamoring for him to start, like Brissett or Mariota or something like that. And that's kind of how we we do it. And we, we just see what he's got. And... My question for you is, mm-hmm. uh, I heard Tennessee is knocking down the door for uh, Harris. I'm oh, thinking, yeah, I didn't even, wow, I didn't even mention that. So when Todd's re- referring to Chris Harris, the Washington Commanders uh, defensive backs coach, the Tennessee Titans hot on his case for a potential passing game coordinator or assistant defensive coordinator role. We haven't gotten the exact details, but yeah, what, what about that? So I think, dude, he's a hot commodity right now. I think the only way we keep him is if Jack leaves oh, and man. we give him the D.C. coordinator job. Otherwise, I think he's such a hot commodity right now. I think he's gone unless we give him the D.C. job, man. Great show, dude. Thanks so much, hey, man. I appreciate, I appreciate the call. More on the Chris Harris situation because that's uber interesting. And shame on me for not bringing that up uh, at the top of the show. There was a report that came out earlier today, and I'll try to find the tweet here. Uh, in the next couple of minutes, Chris Harris, the Washington Commanders uh, defensive backs coach. This was according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. The Titans have requested permission to speak with Commanders defensive backs coach Chris Harris for a position on their defensive staff. Could be a defensive backs slash pass game coordinator type of role. Uh, Fowler also says in the tweet that Harris could get defensive coordinator looks around the league as well. And if you're Washington Although it might stink to lose one of your own, it's one of the signs that you're doing the damn thing the right way. Other people should be knocking down your door to sign the people that you have in-house. Look at what Chris Harris did with this secondary this year. A group that was much maligned the year before. We talked about communication and how they couldn't get it right. All the coverage busts that they had to deal with. Not this year. Outside of the first really three weeks of, of the season, The big plays were not a problem for Washington. They finished top five in every major statistical category on defense. And Chris Harris, the defensive backs coach, has a lot to do with that. I want to take your calls on quarterback, though. We we read the article from Eric Edholm of NFL.com. Derek Carr uh, is officially available uh, via trade. And Eric Edholm listing six potential destinations uh, that Carr would make sense at. The Washington Commanders were one of them. Me personally, I don't think the veteran quarterback is the route this team should go. But Commander Spans, put your GM hat on. What should Washington's plan 
be at the quarterback position. 1-800-636-1067. You can tweet at me as well. At N-E-L-L underscore BTP. When we come back, we'll take your calls. Plus, I'll let you hear from NFL insider Jason Lockenfora on what he thinks about Commander's rookie quarterback, Sam Howell. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan. At the National Football League. Plus, take a peek ahead at the NFL playoffs to get kicked off Saturday with Super Wild Card Weekend. Some big-time matchups on the slate. We'll ask Randy Mueller about that. We'll also ask Randy about the topic at hand right now. The Washington Commanders clearly, once again, in quarterback purgatory heading into the 2023 offseason. Rookie quarterback Sam Howell, the only quarterback currently under contract for Washington heading into 2023. So that lends to the question of what should the commander's plan be at quarterback heading into 2023? Tony is in Tyson's corner once tapping. What's going on, Tony? Hey, man, like your show, like your mojo. I appreciate you. I'm with you, man. Let's just go with Sam now. I mean, it may take a year or two. I mean, we gave Patrick Ramsey and Jason Campbell a chance, right? Yeah. Please, don't sign a veteran quarterback. It would have been nice if Derek Carr were available last year. But, I mean, Carson Wentz gave up draft picks. Even going back to Donovan McNabb, a second-round pick. We gave up... Kendall Fuller in drafts for Alex Smith. Yeah. I mean, if you're really old school, Brad Johnson would give a first, second, and third. So Carson Wentz, salary cap money, that's a saving, you know, that's a saving grade. Let's spend that on Deron Payne. That's draft office alignment. And like, like uh, Doc Walker said, we got to get a player tied in to help the running game, which helped everything. I was at the game on uh, Sunday. How was that? Um, you know, it was, what place wasn't rocking, but... Um, how he looked sharp, you know, with the short passes, West Coast offense. And uh, I heard the interview with his office coordinator earlier in the week on your show, and he said Sam Ellis is very unflappable, you know, good or bad, he just delivers. So, hey, I appreciate the role of Sam Howell, use the salary cap money again. On Sonny hey, I appreciate the call, what do you think? man. I look, I, I agree with uh, what, what Tony just said. I think you have the leeway right now to go that direction if you want at the quarterback position and just roll uh, with Sam Howell. Because look, he's your only guy under contract for next year. Clearly, the decision makers in Washington see something in Sam Howell that they like. Now, it's just about whether or not this group is going to be all in about Sam Howell, so to speak, putting the necessary weapons around him in order to have success. And for me, that's the only plan that the Washington commander should have a quarterback. Uh, somebody just tweeted at me some very interesting information. A man, Robo Stop 10 tweets at me and says, Nell, why cough up assets when you might get them during free agency? Uh, it's in response to a tweet uh, on Twitter that says, this is from Victor Four of The Athletic, senior writer for The Athletic, wrote this earlier. If... No trade for Derek Carr is reached by February the 15th. The Raiders will then release Derek Carr. So that makes things a hell of a lot more interesting uh, on the quarterback front when it comes to Derek Carr. Because if he's going to be released, you can sign him to a deal that you're comfortable with. You don't have to break the bank, so to speak, for a guy of his ilk with the weapons that you have. 
That might be a scenario for Washington that just makes a little bit too much sense for them to actually go with. Speaking of Sam Howe, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora joined me on Tuesday night. If you missed any of that conversation, uh, go back and download the podcast of that show. Here is Jason Lockenfora on his thoughts about rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howe. Look, I think they've got something here in Sam Howe. Like, I really, really? do. Okay. I do. And now, is that, based on, is that based on pre-draft evaluations or just solely off the performance? I think that it's based on conversations okay. about him with people who I kind of evaluators who I know and trust in that draft. And then I was surprised he went as low as he did. And, like, let's not kid ourselves. That was a rabid Cowboys team. And yeah. it's one game, and I don't want to go crazy, but I, I like what I saw in the preseason. Um, and I've talked to some people about that performance. Um, outside of that organization who were pretty impressed. So I think there's some clay to mold there, and I think Scott Turner's had enough time there to work with enough quarterbacks and how plus whatever else they do. And I don't think whatever else they, ha- they do has to be super, you know, sexy on paper right. or, or, or super crazy. That is NFL Odyssey insider Jason Lockenfora, uh from Tuesday with my sit-down with him talking about what he thinks and what he's hearing around the league about rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howell. If those comments don't encourage you, then clearly uh, you don't get steamed up uh, for Sam Howell. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Mueller, set to join the program. We'll take a quick preview of the NFL playoffs coming up. Plus, we'll ask Randy some of the same questions we've been asking you all. What should the Washington Commanders plan be at the quarterback position heading into 2023? We'll talk to Randy Mueller next. Randy, what's going on, my man? I know you've been busy as of late uh, with the XFL ventures. Doing great. Good, good, good to be back with you. Yeah, they got me working. Can you believe that? I was about to say, man, yeah, before we get into the NFL uh, stuff real quick, man, just talk to me about you know what you're doing right now with the XFL and how that process is going for you. It's been outstanding, actually. I, you know, I live in Seattle, so Seattle's home for me. Yeah. I'm running the Seattle XFL team with head coach Jim Hazlitt. Um, Old ties, June Jones is our offensive coordinator, a bunch of guys that I grew up with and known have known forever. It's been fun. We had a chance to build this team from scratch, and we're in the middle of training camp right now. The XFL starts the week after the Super Bowl. In fact, our first game is up in D.C. against the defenders. <laughs> ah, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> definitely, yep. uh, definitely look forward to uh, you know potentially getting up with you when that happens. But let's go NFL here. Super wild card weekend getting set. Uh, for this weekend, Randy. Before we get to that, I want to wrap up some stuff from Week 18. The Washington Commanders here locally obviously made news on Tuesday firing offensive coordinator Scott Turner. I'll start there with you. What did you see from the Commanders' offense this year, and do you think it was fair for Scott Turner to be the one that falls on the sword here? Well, I don't think it's a secret that they've struggled to solve the quarterback issue, and that's been ongoing for more than one year, that's for sure. It seems like we've been talking about the commanders in the quarterback position for the last three or four years. So that's probably the one thing that haunts Ron Rivera to this day, and I don't think they've solved it yet. So I do think there was so much inconsistency with regard to their offense. I guess Scott does fall on the sword, like you said. They have acquired a few weapons here or there, but they just haven't been able to put it together consistently. And I think even though they've shown 
times at times they could get it done it just wasn't good enough and i think it's a production-based business and nobody understands that more than scott so it's not necessarily fair all the time but sometimes change is is just part of the process you mentioned washington and their inability to solve the quarterback position in week 18 they started their third quarterback of the season uh, with rookie fifth round pick sam howell Uh, i don't know how much you got to catch of his performance but uh tell me how you thought he fared and then what are talent evaluators across the National Football League thinking about the performance from Sammy Howell on Sunday? Well, I think he did probably as good as can be expected. I think it had the makings of a week four preseason game for the most <laughs> part, and the whole league the whole league kind of showed that last yeah. week. And obviously the, the thoughts and prayers and everybody were all with DeMar Hamlin, and so I think it definitely affected the preparation of NFL teams around the league. And yeah. I thought we saw a lot of choppiness in most games and not really any rhythm, and I don't think there was any doubt in my mind that some of that came from everybody's mind being elsewhere. It was a tough week in the business and in the sport itself. So glad to see the the prognosis has been good for DeMar and things have looked up for him. But with regard to Sam Howell, um, I think he probably did as good as he could. It's a speed of the game type thing. When these kids get their first opportunity, it's equate, you know, you equate it to uh, going from the dock of the bay to the Autobahn overnight. (laughs) It's that crazy, you know speed people, cars whizzing by you like crazy, and you don't know what hit you. So the fact that he survived it, I did see enough to see some good throws. Obviously, there's a skill level there that, you know, based on him being, what, a fifth-round pick? Is that what he was? Yeah, fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you get from a mid-round draft pick. So he's going to have to grow. I don't think he's anywhere near ready for prime time. I don't think they were really thinking they would find out that much information. I don't think – they have the answers for their quarterback going forward just because they played Sam Howell one week. Randy, I want to I ask you this. If you were in Washington and you got this performance out of Sam Howell in week 18, how would it affect your thought process when hiring your offensive coordinator? Because I know uh, there's some thought here locally that you know maybe you go with somebody in-house to keep you know some continuity for Sam going from year one to year two and not having to learn you know, completely new terminology and a completely new system. From your experience in the NFL, you know, if you were Washington, what type of offensive structured system do you think best fits them next year? Well, I would not hire a coordinator based on Sam Howell's skill set. I don't think he has shown that he's the future by any means. So I think you would make a major uh, make a major flaw in your hiring process if you let that factor in. Like I, I just said, he's a fifth round pick that's played one game. Most of the NFL viewed him as kind of a, a project and a young guy. Yeah, maybe he has some potential down the road, but nobody I don't think would foresee him as being the answer at this stage. So I think we're getting ahead of ourselves if we think after one game we can make that call. I think that Ron will do the right thing. He's got to hire the offense that that is innovative, that can be consistent in the run and pass game. I, I think if the game has changed to where you've got to have a passing game that can advance your cause and then almost work in the run based around your passing game. Yeah. I don't know where the, the emphasis was with regard to Scott. I mean, obviously worked with his dad, Norv, and with the Chargers for years, so I'm a little familiar with that system, and there are similarities there. But I don't think any criteria – could really go into what they decide to do other than let's hire the best offensive system and teacher that we can find. You you mentioned that you don't think Sam Howell is the guy for Washington at quarterback. They're obviously going to have to attack 
uh, quarterback in 2023 full steam ahead. When you look at the landscape, whether it's via free agency, trading for one of these vets, or acquiring somebody in the draft, what do you think is the best course of option at the quarterback position right now if you're Washington? They pick 16th overall in the draft, and they've got some guys on defense that could be up for new money soon. So how, do, how would you address quarterback if you were Washington? Well, I think they have to look under every stone. They've got to research every guy that's possible in the draft, and but we know that comes with a learning curve. Yeah. I don't know how much time everybody is expecting to have in Washington, but yeah. uh, they probably are going to have to look seriously at some of these guys who are going to be free agents. Obviously, uh, Mike White, Geno Smith, some of these guys that have been around, David Carr, these guys, there's some some veteran guys that are more than functional that are going to be on the street. So whether they can get in that game, I don't know. I don't know really where their cap money is, but they've got to have a plan for the future. Like you say, maybe there's some defensive guys that, that they have to take care of. The sooner the better, I can say that, because you want to know your fixed costs going forward. And I would try to sign as many of those guys, if they're considered core guys, as they can, because then you'll have an idea of what kind of a shelf you can present to a free agent quarterback. I I just think they're going to, and I'm not saying Sam Howell is not the guy. I just don't think there's enough information to make any judgment on that. So you've got to pursue it like the next guy is, is kind of come from outside the building, in my opinion. Randy, you've built, you know, many rosters over the years from your vantage point, explain to me real quick, the pros and cons of going and drafting a rookie uh, instead of going the veteran quarterback route? Because here locally in D.C., I know there's a frustration amongst this fan base that Washington continues to go back to the veteran quarterback well instead of drafting and developing their own like some of the top teams across the AFC do. From your vantage point, what do you think usually is more successful or do you think it kind of depends on the shape of your roster? I think the most successful projects or draft picks come from the evaluators themselves. And let's just face it, some people evaluate better than others. I happen to like the quarterback position as far as evaluations go. I love doing it. I always thought I was pretty good at it. Maybe some don't. I don't know. But I think it's a it's a kind of a flavor of the month deal. Like you get to pick what you like best after you set your criteria. I think they've got to find the, the offense that they're going to run first and then fit the quarterback in after that. It's it's a it is a project to draft one even in the first round because that guy is not going to be successful more than likely for a year or two, in some instances even longer than that. So I do think the Washington team has tried to go for the quick fixes. There were you know, people that thought what they did was questionable when they did it. Others may have thought it was okay. Again, it comes down to your ability to evaluate, and it seems to me like that criteria has varied in Washington, and they really haven't been all on the same page. I'd love to see it. And I know Marty Herney is a good person, and he's been involved in a long time. So is Martin Mayhew. I don't know where their evaluative skills are. I really don't. I know them as people and as friends, but I don't know what their skill sets are. So I know they lost uh, Kyle Smith, who is thought of pretty highly around the league as a pretty good evaluator. I don't know how they replaced him, but it seems to me like that might be a good job for some independent eyes who have no agenda on what they have currently and where they've been the last two or three years. Talking to Randy Mueller, uh, former 2000 NFL executive of the year. He's also the co-host of the Football GM Pod via The Athletic with Mike Sando. Uh, He's also the current general manager of the Seattle Dragons in the XFL. Um, I want to go big picture NFL here for a second. Super wild card weekend uh, is upon us. There are a couple of teams 
that are in wild card weekend, Randy, that have some questions to answer whether or not they advance in the postseason or not. I want to start uh, with the Miami Dolphins. And I know the health of Tua Tungavailoa is really something that their future hinges on. Put yourself in that situation. And I know you don't know all the details with the medicals about Tua and the concussion, but would you feel comfortable moving forward with Tua Tungavailoa as your guy, knowing the injury history and how severe it's been? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously no doctor, but I've stayed at a few Holiday Inns on Alex, so <laughs> I'm probably I'm, I'm as qualified as most, right. and that would make me very nervous. I had questions about Tua's durability coming out. He was hurt a lot at Alabama. He's not a big guy. It is a physical big man's game, and that would have made me nervous in the selection process to start with. We've got nothing but more information on that now. You're talking about three concussions in one season. That, that's a struggle. I think they're going to have to go pursue a quarterback somewhere somehow, and maybe it is one of these veterans like a Mike White that can come in and, and you know, spell Tua if he can't go. But I think they would be blind But if they think Tua is going to be healthy and fine forever and not worry about it. They have to have a plan B, and yeah. it's got to be better than the plan B they're, they're working with now. So that would make me nervous. They're in a tough spot. I mean, hey, they're, they're one of a couple teams that has a minus points differential that are in the playoffs. Yeah. They are at minus two. The Bills are at plus 168. So what does that <laughs> tell you? I mean, they're the seventh seed. They're going to Buffalo with a third-string quarterback. That's a tough spot. And we all appreciate the fact that they have made the playoffs. Um, but I'm not sure that they know what what the answer to that question about quarterback yet. My, my skeptical uh, view from the outside is they're going to have to look to add somebody at a fairly big number or, or spend some capital on one for sure. Yeah, Derek Carr doesn't seem like a bad option for the Miami Dolphins. I know uh, he he sent his farewell wishes to Raiders Nation earlier today via Instagram, Randy. What do you think about the possibility of Derek Carr going to Miami? Well, I think he's going to have multiple suitors. I think a third of the teams for sure will have an interest in Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. I think you can analyze his career and say he's not this he's not that but the fact is he's better than a third to maybe a half of the quarterbacks in the league and when he's playing good he might be in the top third so there's some questions there I think he will eventually have to be released by the Raiders I don't think they're going to trade him he has a no trade clause and if I'm him why would I want to be traded somewhere to my 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 next employer is going to give up picks to get me I want them to save those picks so I'd work out a deal on the side and make the Raiders release me I surely wouldn't reward the Raiders for for how they've kind of handled the situation so I think he's going to have multiple suitors and I don't know if Miami will be in there or not I feel like there's teams worse off than Miami that might be let's go to another place uh another team that's in the uh playoff picture that'll be playing in Super Wild Card weekend but their future seems kind of murky uh the New York Giants are an interesting case Brian Dable uh, has done yeoman's work doing you know the most with the least in my opinion across the National Football League. They've got a big question to answer at the quarterback position uh, with Daniel Jones. They obviously declined to pick up his fifth-year option this summer, and Daniel Jones going out and playing as good a football as he's played in his entire career. If you're the Giants, what type of contract are you looking at giving Daniel Jones? And is it a foregone conclusion that they're going to move forward with Daniel Jones? 
Oh, I think they would be hard-pressed to move forward without Daniel Jones at this point. I just think they've spent a year investing in him. He has kind of passed most of the tests. I would think he would even be better next year. They would have a hard time, I think, finding that quality without taking a step back. I don't think Joe Shane, GM, I don't think Brian Dayball wants to take a step back. Daniel Jones has been through the thick and thin of what New York can do to you and come out the other side. So if there's ever been a guy I'm happy for that made the playoffs, it's him. I think they'll end up paying him a good number. And the fact that they didn't pick it up, his option doesn't mean they won't have him on their team. I think they'll try to work something out. Now, whether they can or not, I don't know, because again, it's a quarterback star of league. It only takes one other team to offer a guy like that 30 or 35 million a year and, and you can't do it. So yeah. I think the Giants uh, are going to try to find a way to keep him. At least I would. That's for sure at this point. Go to the Giants counterpart in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. They play in the final game of Super Wildcard Weekend. They're on the road taking on the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Dallas Cowboys and that offense have had their struggles heading into the postseason. Dallas uh, their quarterback, Dak Prescott, much maligned here in the past couple of weeks. He's leading the league in interceptions. Uh, from watching the tape, what have you seen from Dak, and how concerned are you about the Dallas Cowboys heading into Super Wild Card Weekend? Well, I think it's a struggle. There's no doubt. I think Kellen Moore, who happens to be a friend of mine, I'd like to see him go back to the Cooper Rush game plans, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> I think that's when they were riding high. That's when they seemed to be most productive and the least error-prone of their whole season. I'll say this about Dak, and I know he didn't play good last week, but like I said earlier, there's a lot of bad football played last week because of that week we went through preparation. Plus the week 18, are we going to play our guys? Are we not going to play our guys? I think in Dallas, and I've heard this through a couple different sources, that they were going to take their guys out the minute Philadelphia got far enough ahead where it didn't matter. Well, that's a crazy plan to start with because your players are not knowing if they're going to go in. Their mind isn't right. There was just a lot of distractions. And so I know Dak has not played good for the last month. I get it. But I'm going to not take too much in the fact that they played really bad last week. I happen to be one that thinks they'll beat Tampa. I think they'll get it together. They will find a way to be productive on offense. And and I think you'll see a different Dak this week than you saw last. Joining us right now on the BetQL guest hotline is 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Mueller. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You can also check out the GM pod uh, via The Athletic, wherever you download your podcast at. Randy, I want to ask you about the New York Jets and their quarterback situation uh, with Zach Wilson. Obviously, you know, learned a lot about Zach Wilson and who Zach Wilson is as a person this year. And clearly some maturity issues there in New York with them making the decision yesterday to part ways with Michael LaFleur. What do you think that means for the future of Zach Wilson moving forward? I think it's probably good for Zach Wilson, to be honest with you. And I've said first off and early on with regard to the Jets, if I was the GM, I would be hard pressed to flush the second pick in the draft without trying a different system first. And that system in New York offensively, was a little bit inconsistent. Not a little bit. It was a lot inconsistent. And and Zach Wilson made his fair share of mistakes. And like you said, the immaturity, the, the relationships in the locker room, that may have been something that he can't recover from. But I do know this. The things that he has really struggled with in New York, especially this year, were things that he was really good at at BYU, Linnell. He was really good at processing information, at making decisions, at throwing accurately. He took care of the ball fairly well. So there has to be a disconnect from what he was asked to do at BYU and what they're asking him to do with New York. So I thought it would come to this. I didn't think they would wash away the quarterback without washing away that system and trying another one first. And that's kind of where we're at. 
Go quarterback here one more time, man. The Chicago Bears have an interesting decision to make. Uh, They are at the top of the draft, and they own the number one overall pick. We saw Justin Fields, uh, their their signal caller that they drafted a few years back, take some significant strides this year, Randy. I kind of know where you're Mm -hmm. leaning on this based off of me scouring through your Twitter and listening to the pod. But if, you know, for the fans out there who aren't familiar with with your, your take on this, if you are Ryan Poles and the Bears and you have this number one overall pick, do you consider taking Alabama's Bryce Young, who many evaluators consider to be the best passer in this class? Many of the non-NFL evaluators consider him to be the best <laughs> Ooh, passer. Randy, Let me just say that fired. right now. <laughs> Let me just say that right now. Hey, and I'm not saying that Bryce Young won't be a good player. That's not my point. Right. But I know this, the criteria that NFL teams have – Seldom includes five foot ten, one hundred ninety pounds. Exactly. It's, 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 let's just think about this now. Yeah. I think with regard to Justin Fields, he made great strides, like you said. He's got to make strides more. The Bears threw three hundred seventy-seven passes this year, lowest by far in the league. Yeah. As a comparison, the Buccaneers threw seven hundred fifty-seven. <laughs> so, Jeez. according to my Idaho math, right. they, the Bears need to have a full another seventeen-game season to catch up to where <laughs> the Buccaneers were in passing attempts this year. So I don't think it's a secret. We see the skill set. We see the athleticism. What's to say he's that much different than where Jalen Hurts was two years ago? Right. Jalen Hurts was not a polished passer. He was probably less dynamic athletically than, than Justin Fields is. The Bears have to find a way to expand his passing game. I love the fact that they got him some confidence and that they did some things this year where he can say this was a successful year. They're going to have to improve the passing game. I think he's capable of it. I also think the speed of the game continues to slow down for these guys, and that's very important because I think Justin Fields is one of those guys that didn't at Ohio State and his first couple years in the league has been one to hold the ball, hold the ball, wait for someone to come open before he threw it. You can't succeed in the NFL doing that. So the anticipation, the instincts that come with being a really good passer in the NFL, he hasn't developed yet. But I think he'll get there. So I would not give up on him at all, and I would continue to stay the course. If you move that pick, it's for a whole bunch of other things. In my opinion, it shouldn't be for a quarterback. Yeah, Randy Mueller coming off the top rope. Hot take central uh, here on (laughs) Overtime. Randy, I'll let you go on this, my man. Five uh, head coaching vacancies open as of now. Uh, We don't know what will happen after Super Wild Card weekend. But right now, what do you think is the most attractive destination uh, for potential head coaches and why? I think for my money, Leno, and I'll just say this, I'm not really looking for hot takes. I'm just giving you my <laughs> No, thoughts. just giving so, it how it is. I'm just messing with you. I, uh, if I have a fault, it's that I'm too authentic, okay? Right. I think the best spot for anybody right now, you would have to consider it to be Carolina. And hmm. some of that is through the process of deduction, right? We know what is the albatross in Denver. We know there's a similar albatross in the desert in Arizona. Yeah. I'm not sure where we're at with the Colts with – that owner and where that may go on any given day. So there are some things that would concern me around the league. I think in Carolina's case, they have a pretty good roster. Matt Rule, for whatever he didn't do, he did a pretty good job in that he he drafted an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. These guys are elite players, and he's tried to build it the right way. I think Steve Wilkes showed that this team's competitive with the right coach. I would love to see them give the job to Steve Wilkes myself. Yeah. But if they don't, I think that's going to be a, a – uh, 
a place where coaches want to go. An established GM in Scott Fitterer, not that he's a long-tenured guy or, or a proven commodity by himself, but he came up in Seattle with the Seahawks. He'd been there for 15 years, so he clearly gets it. I think he's got a propensity to work with whatever coach they bring in there, and I think they'll be aligned. I also think David Tepper, and he gets all, some heat sometimes for being very aggressive, yeah. and what some say a meddling way, I don't see it. He wants to win. I think that Scott can handle the rest of that, and the, the coach in Carolina is going to be set up for success. So I think that's the best spot right now. All right, Randy, I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Good luck on the XFL season, and uh, I'll shoot you a text when you guys come out here. Maybe we can get up with each other. Looking forward to it, Linnell. Thanks for having me. Always. That is former NFL general manager Randy Mueller. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. One of my favorite uh, conversations across the National Football League. Just so honest and authentic about his evaluations. And to hear it from the mouth of someone who gets paid to do it for a living, it just gives you a, a tremendously different perspective on some of the league's most hot-button uh, topics. And his, uh, his commentary on Sam Howe, very, very interesting. We'll get to that in the back half of the 9 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll switch gears. It's time for Nell's five-star performers of the night, my top five performances from across the NBA in the night that was. Don't go anywhere. This is the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.